With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now it's our family-friendly flooring sale. Save up to $1,000 and take advantage of our 24-month special financing on our stain-resistant carpet and stylish luxury vinyl at Flooring America. Sale ends soon, so come in today. Final Miller and Dace HN podcast is upon us. HN podcast will continue as we talked about last episode. I'm John Miller. He's Steve Dace. So I don't want to say the final HN podcast, but the final Miller and Dace podcast. Here we are. And we're going to look back before we uh, wind this thing up. Steve and I talked about uh, the Big Ten Bowl matchups in this week's Bigger Ten podcast. So if you want to hear us talk about Iowa and USC, go on over to the Bigger Ten podcast where Steve also uh, makes the announcement on the future of the Bigger Ten podcast. There is a future for it without me. Why wouldn't there be? And Steve talks about that there. So you have plenty of reasons to go check that out. Steve, your crystal ball annual predictions in your annual college football preview. One of my favorite things to look at each and every year and maybe to a lesser degree or maybe even more. I'm not sure what I like more. First, seeing the crystal ball predictions raw without having ever seen them before or coming back and grading you. I, I think I might actually like this part more just to see how well you did it. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you. I'm not rooting against you. So let's uh-huh. go here and have a little, uh, have a little reconciliation of the bank account and see how you doesn't, do it. Doesn't it, doesn't it seem fitting that this would be our final episode because this has always been one of your favorite things to do. Yes. You've always, you've always, you know, you, you your mind has remained blown by the Phil Fulmer Lane Kiffin call I made. And it's kind of, Full circle that Lane Kiffin today got the job at Old Miss, so he's back in the SEC. Yes, yes. And then um, in a in a in a in a in a Mazel Tov salute kind of way, um, it's fitting, you know. Uh, while well, sad, but it's the you know this is kind of the end of an era, and Tommy from Des Moines passed away. Yeah, and yeah, that's right. And you know, I, I I mean I I can't speak for you when you took over your own show, but I felt. I was a legit yep. local sports talk host in Des Moines when he called me for the first time. No and, doubt. And, you know, he, he, he called me every day. He once tried to come into my office and big time me, which I greatly enjoyed. Okay. Um, but, you know, behind the persona, the, Tommy knew his freaking stuff, man, and was smart and knew his sports. And so it just seemed like a lot of, you know, so prayers for his family. And I mean, it's hard to be a caller to a sports talk show and have a feature in the local newspaper done about you. That's how much of an institution he was. And it's uh, just seems like a lot of things are kind of coming full circle here with this final episode. They really are. And as we record this, Steve, uh, you do not know this. Well, you know that it's December the 8th as we record this. This marks the 10 year anniversary of night one that you and I spent in Snowmageddon radio, which we will come back and talk about here at the end as we uh, wax poetic before we hey, sign then off. The, then, the, then the guy that helped both of us get started in this business uh, is faces 20 years in prison. So, you know, a lot of things are kind of coming full circle right now, brother. This is well, kind of like a harmonic convergence right now. I mean, he might have helped you get started in this business, but unless you're saying he's one of the grandfathers of the genre in Des Moines, so therefore we owe him some degree of family heritage or lineage, okay. Sure. But, uh, but yes, well, he I got, see. He helped, he helped get you started in this business because I helped me get started in this business. And remember, I got you started in this business. So that's how he helps you. <laughs> okay. That's something. So the family lineage, there we go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the connection. Um, <laughs> And without further ado, let's go to crystal ball prediction number one for days 2019. Steve released these in the summer before a game was played. With it seemingly a foregone conclusion that it's Alabama, Clemson, and everybody else, college football's 150th commemorative year will deliver plenty of surprises, including multiple upsets on conference championship weekend that will shake up the playoff race. Multiple upsets in conference championship weekend that will play, shake up the playoff race. Don't know that we had that. We had one. We had Utah. Uh, you lose yes, it. that's true. But that, allowed, but we didn't, we, we did not get Oklahoma to get in. Yeah. And uh, Alabama is not in 
this year's playoffs. So I'm going to have to mark number one uh, with a check mark. I agree. I mean, Baylor nearly delivered me there. They had, they had, they had a chance. They just couldn't, uh, they couldn't close, but yeah, I got that one wrong. Yeah, it's a miss. Number two, Alabama Clemson will not meet in the national championship game. You've already got that one. Correct. Um, so since Bama's not there. Number three, for the first time, a two-loss team will make the college football playoff. In fact, multiple two-loss teams will be in contention for the final playoff spot. We don't have a two-loss team in there, do we? We don't, but they're, but, they're, but, but you know, the teams ranked five and six were at two losses. Okay, so we give you a half point there. Maybe a half point. By the way, if you're yeah. Oregon, if you're Oregon, we said this a few years ago when Penn State didn't get in, that if they had not played Pitt but had played – uh, Susquehanna instead and won the Big Ten, they'd have gotten in the playoff and not Ohio State, right, back in yes. 2016. If Oregon had not played Auburn, but it played Sunburn instead. So instead of playing Auburn, they played Sunburn and I won the it. Pac-12. Would they be in the playoff right now? I think the answer to that is yes. Uh, yeah, probably so. Yeah, or, or very, yeah, yeah. I like the Sunburn, by the way. I, I was so processing I that to think, did he just say Sunburn? I've never heard that before. That's pretty <laughs> Um, number four, Nick Saban will finally lose a game to a former assistant. Uh, see, he lost to Gus Melzahn and Ed Orgeron. So no, no, he did not. I thought he would lose to either Jimbo Fisher or Kirby Smart. Number five, after losing four games in a season, only once between 1969 and 2001, Nebraska will lose at least four games for the 16th consecutive season. And that is a sweet direct hit for you there. And by, uh, by the way, when I, when this was published in the first, you know, the big, uh, the big first week of July, people were picking Nebraska to win the big yeah. 10. West. Yes. That, that was an edgy pick back then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Number six, Minnesota will end one of the three longest championship droughts in major college football when it wins the big 10 West. Now they tied for the big 10 West. Yes. They, the big 10 they, does. It, I, I don't acknowledge that, but officially, so, like, Michigan actually has, according to the Big Ten, won a championship under Harbaugh. They were the co-division champions last year. But I remember when I was close to the Iowa State program and when Dan McCartney busted out that one year, and, and I literally felt for the first time, um, now I'm in my 40s, so it happens all the time, but I felt for the first time back then what shrinkage was like. And so I've just never acknowledged it ever since because I just thought it was one of the most emasculating uh, – and, and, and odd, weird flexes I've ever heard. But yes, according to the official Big Ten record book, Minnesota is the co-West Division champion. Yes. Well, that's a check mark. That's a, that's a win. Um, who are we to argue with the Big Ten? Number seven, <laughs> Mark D'Antonio will retire from Michigan State at the end of the season, and the school will name Pittsburgh coach Pat Narduzzi as his replacement. And this, we would say, is an incomplete yeah, we don't know that yet. I don't think it will happen based on how things are trending right now. But if they go out there and get Molly Walt walked by something called Wake Forest, I, I could see it happening in that scenario. And so check back. You, you will have to uh, let everyone know about that. Number eight, Clay Helton will survive at USC, mainly because Urban Meyer will have no interest in taking over at that university until it figures out its administration. And its administration is still a mess. And therefore, Clay Helton is still the coach. So that is a hit. Yes, that USC fans, we got into this because it, that's Iowa's opponent, obviously. And, I, and, and folks, if you had not heard that, just a little tease. I, I don't think this is going to be the road game. A lot of Iowa fans probably think it's going to be. I, I don't think there's going to be a massive drive-down factor from L.A. to San Diego. I, I, the, the USC fan base is in a Tennessee Greg Schiano type of revolt right now over what, how the administration has handled this. And then, uh, you know, basically giving Clay Helton a lame duck year. I, I don't think that this is the road game that maybe Hawkeye Nation thinks it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, after losing four games or more, the 11th time in the last 13 years, Auburn will fire Gus Malzahn after the season and hire Liberty's Hugh Freeze as his next head coach. For one thing, Freeze has proven he knows how to beat Nick Saban in Alabama. That is a – that's a miss. That's a miss. But, man, if they had lost that last game to Alabama with a backup quarterback, I could have seen that happen. Man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they didn't. 
Number 10, two teams from the SEC will make the college football playoff for the second time in three years. That is a miss. It's a miss. America outside of the Southeast rejoices for that. How about the fact that Georgia loses the SEC championship game 37 to 10? And it still is ranked fifth today. It's just stupid. And the chairman of the committee said that they really had a conversation about whether Oklahoma or Georgia should have been that stupid. Just if you do something like that, just bring an eight. Number 11, this will be the last season played under the current college football playoff format. The field will be expanded and or the selection process altered for 2020. This is not known. It's a, that, no, it's a miss because they, they got lucky. They got lucky that there was a clear-cut four. The reason, there's a reason I made those predictions in the order I did because there's a reason why the, I, I first predicted two SEC teams and then, then turned around and predicted that because I think the, the, the appetite and market for that outside of Paul Feinbaum's audience is, is um, you know, is the market for, for Limburger cheese and, and French military help. So um, those two kind of were a package deal together. Gotcha. Number 12, this will be Mike Gundy's final season at Oklahoma State one way or another. Miss uh, Boone Pickens, T. Boone Pickens passed away. And that took took a lot of the tension in the situation away when when he died. Yep. Yep. No doubt about that. Uh, number 13, Texas A&M plays Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia this season. The Aggies will win at least one of those games. That was a miss. Yeah. It's a miss. Number 14, Iowa will announce offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz as its head coach and waiting whenever his father, Kirk Ferentz, decides to retire. Don't believe that's happening this year. But, I mean, so that's like – that was an open-ended prediction. Yeah, do you think if they – and not that I'm trying to salvage this pick, I'm just genuinely curious – they go out there and put like 35 on USC in the holiday bowl. Did we see something like that after that? I just don't think so because okay. I don't know that they've made the decision that Brian's going to be the coach and waiting. Okay. Like we talked about last week, I think that Phil Parker's the guy that they should make the coach and waiting if they're going to make anybody a coach and waiting. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that I see that. I just don't know that the, the, I don't know that the political will is there right now. So, okay. you know, cause I, I, I shared some numbers um, earlier today uh, I updated them and I had shared something like this earlier in the season. And we talked a little bit about that uh, on this podcast at the time, but I was NCAA statistical rankings by category. And I look at the offense and since 2001, um, Ken O'Keefe averaged the 60th ranked rushing offense, Greg Davis, 66, Brian Ferentz, 94th in their tenures. Wow. Uh, yards per carry, KOK, 56th in the country. Greg Davis, 75th in the country. Brian Ferentz, 95th. Total offense, Ken O'Keefe, 62nd. Greg Davis, 91st. Brian Ferentz, 98th. Um, so I, I just not let's sure. Ask, let, let, let's ask some difficult, quick questions. Yeah. If his, if his last name was Brian, anything other than Ferentz. There'd be people be openly calling for his job. Um, not, not that there aren't now, but it would be a majority of the fan base calling for his job. Absolutely, if, they would. If, if Kirk retired, what, what's Brian Ferentz's value on the open market as an OC compared to Phil Parker's as a DC? Because I kind of think, think Phil Parker's unemployed for about five minutes is what I think. Yeah, I mean, that's maybe a little unfair because Phil's been – in and around this conference for nearly a quarter century, and he's been the offense, the defensive quarter success. Yeah, but the, 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 the his numbers Josh are his numbers Gattis, are better. His numbers are better than Norm Parker's, actually. Yeah, yeah, but right now the trend with OC is Graham Harrell, Josh Gaddis, Joe Brady, USC, young Bunderkins. That's what every all the everybody's hiring, right? That's that's who everybody's going for. Young I think he'd get a shot. Mines. I think he'd get a shot, but I mean, Phil Parker's money in the bank. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that Phil Parker on the open market is a far more valuable commodity. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no doubt. There's no, I mean, it's just like asking if you think I look better with or without hair. I mean, throw me a tough question here. <laughs> Let me think about that. I had to stop and think about it. How, what, 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 in which condition is John Miller hotter, with or without hair? Let's discuss. Yeah, let's not. Jim Harbaugh finally defeats Ohio State number 15. Thank you for oh, yeah, yeah, rescuing me. That's a, that's yeah. a miss. Maybe, maybe you were stalling on that one, actually. Yeah, I just I, I had no idea what was coming next. I just knew it was coming at some point. Yeah, and yeah. 
hold on a second. I'm, I'm bleeding out. Yeah. I mean, I see you out posting polls on Twitter. Will Michigan win the Big Ten championship in your yeah, lifetime? I am convinced, yeah. I mean, come on, so, man. So you know how I wonder how I'm wired, okay? Yes, you freaking – Once, once I close so, the door, the yeah. door is shut. I've shut the door. The door is shut. But it's unrealistic. It's just as unrealistic as everyone saying Michigan's going to win the next three. You go the but, other direction for what, emotional what, what, self-preservation. Which, which fantasy genre is it where the guy says, the door is shut? It cannot be opened. I can't remember which one that is, but that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, the door is shut. Time bandits? I don't know. <laughs> Great movie. Great freaking. Oh, gosh, I've seen that in so long. Time bandits. Wow. Um, number 16, Levy Smith will resign from Illinois, and the school will replace him with Cincinnati's Luke Fickle. Well, yeah, that was just about outside. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight misses in a row. I think that's unprecedented. Missouri will win its appeal, and the NCAA will rescind its bull ban for this season. <laughs> I didn't even get done reading it. Oh, man. Dude, the, the, the NCAA screwed them, though. Or oh, what, they did. They, they oh, really wow. Did. They really did. Just how long does it take to hear an appeal? They appealed that thing in freaking August. And then, like, the day before the final game where they get bowl eligible, they tell them it's denied. Man, uh, the NCAA screwed them. Uh, and, and they self-reported, by the way. And if yeah, you know the well, commissioner that's the last, breaks, that's yeah, the last but, time people are going to self-report. I'm, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't blame you. I, I would not blame you. And in fact, that's what the SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, said. He all but said, consider this the last time one of our, one of our member schools self-reports. It's okay. both the first and last time, by the way, the SEC, brother. Right. It's the first and last. It's right. the Alpha and the Omega, Missouri. Yeah, yes. see what we get? We, we've told you all these years we don't do this. Um, number 18, the Heisman Trophy finalists will be in alphabetical order. Jake Fromm, Trevor no. Lawrence, Shea Patterson, and Tua Tagovailoa. That is a clean miss. Yeah, it's an offer. It's an offer. It's an offer. So that was great. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what do you think about got, John Miller without hair? Yeah. <laughs> number 19, uh, Tua Tagovailoa won the Heisman. That's a miss. Um, the results of the early top five uh, non-conference games, top non-conference games. So each of these counts as a uh, uh, two-tenths of a point. Okay. Um, what is my dog sneezing for? Drive me crazy. Oregon over Auburn. Man, I had that until like the last 30 seconds, but yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, LSU over Texas. That's a win. Win. Texas A&M over Clemson. That's a loss. Loss. Georgia over Notre Dame, that's a win. Win, yeah. And Florida over Miami, that's a win. So that's you get, a win. You get six-tenths of one point on that. That's how you and, break a streak right there. That's a slump buster if I ever no doubt, that's, that's a that's a Grace that, – that's a Mark Grace Texas leaguer. No doubt. Between, in between Marlboros right there. No, no, no doubt. doubt. No yeah. doubt. Um, Iowa, Syracuse, and Wisconsin – will begin the season ranked in the top 25, but will not finish there. I was right about Syracuse, dead wrong about the other two. I'm going to give you a point three three points at this point in time. I think this is like only the second time in the Ferentz era that Iowa started the season in the top 25 and finished there. It's only the second uh, or third time in the whole Ferentz era or something like that. Yeah, I haven't – and never, never left the top 25 all season. Yeah. Yeah, I ought to look because that this up. is always the because Iowa kind of has made a name for itself as when you don't think they're going to be good, they are, and when you think they're good, not going to be any good. So um, the other time would have been maybe oh yeah. three, and then oh nine, I would imagine. Oh yeah, yeah, those are the only two I believe. Yes, and not this. Yeah, year. I'll have to look into oh four, but they started that season two and two, so they probably dropped out. Uh, number twenty two, Minnesota. Missouri and USC won't be ranked in the preseason top 25, but will finish there. Minnesota was. USC was not ranked in the top 25 in the preseason so another... and finished there. They finished there. Okay. Um, and then who was the middle team? I missed that. Who was the middle team? Uh, Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, Missouri ended up not, uh, not having the season. And I think that, that NCAA appeal had a lot to do with it. I think if they had right. heard that appeal early in the year, if they got it denied, they could have kind of rallied behind that. And if they got it approved, they could have rallied behind that one way or the other. I think having that thing unanswered all this time kind of screwed their whole season up, I believe. Mm -hmm. Number 23, the following first-year coaches will lead their teams to bowl games. Gary Anderson, Utah State. 
Uh, I haven't looked to see. Let me look to see if Utah State's in a bowl game. Keep going. Uh, Rod Carey Temple. Yes. Ryan Day, Ohio State. Yes. Manny Diaz, yep. Miami, Florida. Yes. Yes. Eli Drinkwitz, Appalachian State. Yes. Yes. Thomas Hammock, Northern Illinois. I don't know. Uh, no. Northern Illinois did not make uh, a bowl game. Dana Holgerson, Houston. Uh, no, did not make a bowl game. They, they, tank, they tanked. State, yes. Yeah, they 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 tanked. So Utah they, State did make a bowl game. They played they right. played Kent State right, in the Frisco Bowl. Let me give you a half point for all that. Number twenty four. Liquidate these teams that will win at least two fewer games than they did last season. Buffalo, who won ten a year ago. Yes, they finished with seven. Central yeah. Florida, who won twelve. Yes, they finished with nine. Florida International, who won seven? They finished with seven, actually. Okay. Uh, Fresno State, who won ten? Yes. Yeah. They Kentucky, with five. who won nine? Yeah, they finished with se- with seven. Middle Tennessee State with eight. Yes, they had a losing record. Utah State with eleven. Yeah, they finished, I think, seven and five. Washington State with ten. That's correct. And West Virginia with nine. Yes. I mean, and that's they went five and seven. That's, that's really good. You got yeah, all they went five one. and seven. Yeah. So I'll, you know, I'm going to give you a nine tenths. Yeah. Just cause I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling Mary. This is like, who's I don't make Mary at Christmas. Whose line is it anyway? Giving out these points. Invest in these teams that will win at least two more games than they won last season. Baylor six. Yes. Yes. Florida state five. No. Wait, no, they weren't six. Seven, seven, six, okay. They Minnesota six. six, yes. Navy three, yes. Yes. Nebraska four, no. No, they won four. Five. Yeah. Yeah. North five. Carolina two, yeah, they won six. Oregon eight, yes, they won ten. Rutgers one, no, they only won two. They did double their win total from a year ago. Uh, TCU six. No, oh, they won no, five. Yeah. Tennessee five. Yep, they won seven. USC five, yes. UCLA they three, eight. they won five, right? Yes, they won five. Western Kentucky three. Yes. They won, I think, six. And Western Michigan, six. I th- yeah, they won eight and four. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll just go with 75 points here. Uh, that, I, I, I don't like saying this, but the crystal ball, the crystal ball is. <laughs> I always say that to people right before I say something I really want yeah, to say. Yeah. The crystal ball is so much fun in the summer. It's one of those things to me, it's, it's almost become for me like, oh, man, this is for real now. Football is right around the corner. We're releasing yep. Dace's crystal ball. And you've had some awesome walk-off shots, as you talked about earlier on. Um, and I would say that this one, this one was wide right relative to accuracy, but it was still dead center fun uh, for the enjoyment whenever you released it. So that's a good way of describing. And you know, you know, like next July, you're going to want to, you're going to call <laughs> me and, you, and you're going to want to do like a guest appearance on the bigger 10 podcast, just to have, just to continue the tradition of having me unveil my crystal ball for the first time to you in real time. You know, you're going to want to. Do that. Maybe I mean, I mean, you're right. I probably will want to. But whether or not that's the right decision for any party will be decided as well. But you're right. I will. I'll get the Jones because I'm in, I'm, I really am. And I really am intending to take a significant chunk of time and significant is a relative term. I mean, for someone like me, who's been injecting sports into his veins uh, since the catch in the back of the end zone between the Cowboys and the 49ers, was that like what? 80 or 81? 1981. Yeah. yeah. That was for, that was for a birth in Super Bowl 16. Yeah. Was it Super Bowl 55 this year or something or something like yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. But he, he, even a couple of years, couple three years earlier than that, the day that Roger Staubach announced his retirement, I went to my stairs in our house that was away from the rest of the house and I sat and I cried. So you could probably date it to that or, you know, a George Brett fan as I was in the mid seventies, just loving listening to the Royals at my grandparents' house. They didn't get television in Northwest Missouri, but they got the radio. They put that little red sticker right there on the channel that always brought in Denny Matthews, the voice of the Kansas city Royals, who still mm. is a part of those broadcasts. And I would, you know, my brother and I would sit out in the front yard and just recreate the games. And it meant I wasn't even in uh, maybe kindergarten at that point in time. So you know, for someone like me, that sports has been a huge part of their life, being away for a significant amount of time, 
I mean, gosh, it's, you know, could be three months, but I, I, I really do want to at least be um, voiceless relative to everyone else for a while. I'll still read about games. I, I just, I, I enjoy that part, but I just, anything that re requires a great deal of focus and attention I need to put into the business. And, you know, we, you and I right now, we were, we're talking about just, you know, do you have any, I don't know if you had some of these and I'll start off. So I might be asking you a question you were unprepared for. You know, just going back through the, gosh, almost 20 years that you and I have been doing, you know, some type of spoken communication together, whether it's the Dace in the Afternoon show or, you know, your jock days or your cakes and O days or the Miller and Dace in the morning or the Cyhawk Talk State of the Nations or our show with uh, J. Michael McCoy that was for a season uh, or this HN podcast, the Bigger 10 podcast that we've done, I think almost a thousand episodes of these things. Um, it, this, anything that stands out, and, and I'm going to kind of go in order. I've kind of got a top three, but one honorable mention I'll start with was the time on the radio show, the Miller and Dace in the morning show, when we had on Harley Race. <laughs> <laughs> And you and I both big time wrestling fans in our youth. Yeah. And uh, Harley Race comes on. He was promoting an event that was, I don't know if it was an Albia or. Some or, small town in Iowa. Some Long small way town away is, from WrestleMania, put it that yeah, way. Yeah. Some small town in South Central Iowa. And as we were wrapping up our interview, talking about his career, you know, whenever you have, you know, people that are famous on your radio show that, you know, they're in a different part of their life. They're typically selling something or promoting something, whether it's a book or an event. So the kind of agreement is, Hey, I'll have you on for a 15 minute segment. We'll talk about your career and your life and your stories for about 13 minutes. And then the last two minutes you can, you know, you can pedal what you're hawking. And so we get to the point where we ask Carly to tell everybody, you know, what, uh, who was on the card, the undercard, uh, why people should come out. And he's going through these names that nobody knew. And then, and yes. then he's like, and by the way, we got midgets. <laughs> we got midgets on the card. And you and I, I don't even think we made it to like, hey, thanks for joining us, Harley Click. Laugh. <laughs> I think we lost it right then because it was just so non sequitur. <laughs> yes. We got midgets which is something that you would reprise a few months later during the Snowmageddon episode when we were watching <laughs> anything to pass the time and you were talking about that there were midgets on TV and they were just real people like you and me. Uh, that, was, that was one of the funnier losing it moments I recall. Yes, that was the interview where Harley Race mentioned he was the uh, only eight-time only yes. after eight-time world champion. Yes. And I said to him, but doesn't that mean you lost it eight times too? <laughs> yes. But uh, um, uh, yes, that one, because it's one of those things you didn't see coming. Like, you know, and he's like running, running through his spiel. He goes, and we're going to have midgets. And, and, that, and it was like seven o'clock in the morning. Yes. And anybody who knows me, I have like a midget fetish. I'm like obsessed with them. Like I can watch anything they're in. You know, I'm, I'm captivated by them. Uh, and, you know, used to, um, little Mr. T, who otherwise known as the Haiti kid, used to come to yes. bowling alleys in Grand Rapids, the Michigan. The Haiti kid, yeah. For, to do dwarf tossing. And my, my, my kids, Noah told me today, actually, that a couple of years ago, they looked at, they were going to, you can do this thing, you can rent a midget for someone's birthday or special occasion. And they were going to, my family was going to do this for me for my birthday a few years ago. Or for St. Patrick's Day is the other day they offer this, but they were like totally sold out both days. So I'm like, Heavens. I am, I am absolutely obsessed with midgets. I, I could, I could just sit and just be enthralled for hours. So when he came out with the, and we're going to have midgets, even re, even thinking about that now, 15 years later, I just about peed my pants thinking about that. I laughed so hard yeah. about that. And, you know, I don't even know if midget is the, um, the accepted or preferred nomenclature, but it just, that's, that was what was discussed on the air that day. So that's, yes. uh, that yes. was, I was going with, um, folks judge your heroes by the times in which they lived at the time. That's right. That's right. 
that leads to a whole other conversation for another podcast. Um, the, the biggest, biggest, biggest moment that we experienced together was up in Ames at the Iowa, Iowa State. Yeah, no doubt. No. Uh, the preview show we did on Mediacom Connections, it was either 90 minutes or two hours. And they had built a set right there just outside the north uh, end zone. And obviously, there's a lot that's been changed between then and now. But there were two, three, four thousand people that were around us for the majority of that time. And there were a few prepackaged segments where we were able to get up and kind of go into the RV that they had. They're not big time in people, but it was just so hot and windy. And one of us had, you know, gastrointestinal issues that they had to take care of. And, and the guy's was, name was John. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that was. That was just an incredible – Bob Bowlesby stopped by. Uh, was it Vandervelde, the AD? Bruce Vandervelde, the AD at yeah, Iowa State. Yeah. He, he stopped in. We had former players from both teams. It was just a – you know, that was just, gosh. It was, it was big time, man. There's no other way to describe it. And yeah. I was just six or seven years into doing this. So were you. It was, it was a big moment. It was the hottest day in the history of the Iowa State football game. Um, I mean, the, the heat indices were in the hundreds We're outdoors. Um, I was, at I was, I had to be at least like a hundred LBs larger than I am right now. So you throw the heat, the added extra weight and just the stress and anxiety. I don't get nervous, you know, any too often anymore, you know, and then I've gone all over the country and stuff in, in my job now, it's rare that I get nervous. Um, that's one of the few times I can, I, the only two times I can remember in, you know, in my career where I'm like, I don't know, I'm so nervous, not the, you know, butterflies in your stomach and the kind of nervousness where you're like, I don't know that I can do this nervous. Right. That was that one time. And, and there, and um, when we had an event that I helped to host with 16 presidential candidates for C-SPAN here in Iowa, um, a few years ago. Those are the, those are the two times because of the size of audience. And, and, you know, at, the, at that time in my career, nothing was bigger than Iowa, Iowa State. My whole program was predicated on it. It, it, it was the sun, but everything that all the other planets in my show solar system orbited behind. And then this just so happens to be the biggest Iowa, Iowa State game of, of them all. With all that hype, Iowa number eight, Iowa State coming off almost winning the Big 12 North. The crowd, you and I were out there on the field, remember, when the two teams came out um, and to kind of gauge that atmosphere and everything. When the game first started, it was absolutely electric. Um, I'll, I'll never forget that. And a couple of years ago, I pulled the, the DVD of that out and watched it with my kids. And one, I couldn't believe how much fatter that old man was, but also how much more hair that he had. Uh, but then and the too, wind I, was flipping it up, too. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I had some Trumpian uh, hair, hair going on there, no doubt about that. And uh, um, it, it just, we had the graphics package and stuff. I mean, that was a big time event. And until this last year, we were, the, we were still the only people that could say they'd ever hosted a game day up in Ames until, until the, uh, the major league team decided to come into town. Over the <laughs> they did. They did. The, um, so whenever Miller and Dace – on KXNO came to an end. I remembered having a bit of an epiphany or a moment where I thought to myself, I'll never do anything professionally in entertainment, which is basically what we do. We entertain people. Um, I'll never do anything again in entertainment that was as good and as funny and as entertaining as that morning show was, and both you and I hated every second of getting up in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, it was it was 15 to 16 months of my alarm would go off at 4.30, and the first thing I thought about every day was <laughs> I am going to take a nap later today. That's literally my first thought, and I oftentimes did. Yeah. I, I, was, uh, I was not the best father during that time of my life. I know I wasn't the best husband during that time of my life. But, hey, at least for all of you out there that listen to it, it was the best radio that we ever did, that, that I was ever a part of. And it peaked with the 
most extreme circumstances we went through relative to radio. 10 years ago today was night number one, stranded in the uh, 2141 Grand Clear Channel, uh, now iHeart Radio Building. Everyone getting out early, the sales staff making sure they got home early, you know, because, hey, they got to get there. And the culminating for a two-night stayover, which we also watched Iowa play against UNI. And that UNI team wound up being the team that beat Kansas, right? With yes, yes it was. Yeah. Ali Farouk Manesh and Jordan Eagleseeker. Yep. And, and Iowa had out probably its most pasty lineup I can recall. That is until yes. 2019, 2020 basketball season just tipped off. But it was no, also. But, no, those are white guys. Those are the same thing as Joe Wieskamp is just a white guy. There's pasty and then there's white guys, if you know what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Lick Lighter team wasn't full of white guys. Hasty, like rec league guys. That's that's different. It's different. Yeah, that was that was entertaining. I, the the segment bit that we did on that about burning a image fade <laughs> on your plasma TV <laughs> <laughs> in another time and place was getting fired worthy. Um, Politically incorrect football league that you came, oh, the, you came up the, with? The, yes. the, yeah, the CIMFL, the CIML, yes. the culturally insensitive, the culturally insensitive football league, which if you go to HawkeyeNation.com and you click on podcasts and you go all the way to the last page, you can hear the Snowmageddon, one, set, one hour of the Snowmageddon, and you can also hear kind of like the greatest hits montage we did. I'm going to have to listen to that. Snow. I haven't listened and, to that stuff in years. And we had the CIFL bit. And yeah. we, in another time and place, would have gotten our butts fired for that. Absolutely, we would have. But we didn't then. Uh, or, so we would have, or we would have done a podcast as popular. We, we would just put in the Joe Rogan, right. um, you know, uh, the guy who's supposed to love line. Uh, with Dr. Drew, what's his name? Those are the kinds of podcasts those Did, guys do. Yeah, you, you didn't just ask me who hosts Loveline with Dr. Yeah, I just remember that show. With I've Dr. never heard Drew. of either Dr. Drew or Loveline. Okay. What the hell are you watching? <laughs> I mean, seriously. It was like 25 years ago on MTV. I don't know. My wife yeah, you know, you know the doctor on, uh, you know, All My Children? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't know the doctor on All My Children. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, so then, then, then you came running down the hall that we got made. Anyway, did you get those chartreuse drapes? I'm sorry, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And you were jonesing for some toothpaste, and I happened to have one. You're like, oh, that's great. You were just like so relieved that the McCoy septuplets laughed at you sleeping on oh. the couch under Ronald Reagan's picture. Yeah, so I was, I just, the last night there, I slept on the couch um, because I couldn't sleep in the chair. And this was a small couch, man. Like it was, it wasn't even five feet. So, I mean, I'm barely sprawled on this couch. And, uh, and I'm sleeping under the Ronald Reagan's picture there in the lobby. And it's 4.30 in the morning. I hear Van Harden comes walking in with this mass gaggle of people. And it's the McCoy septuplets. And they're like, uh, like 10 years old now. And as they're getting in the elevator, and I'm just still trying to get back to sleep. I've got another hour before you and I have to be on the air, so I'm trying to get more sleep. And as they're going in the elevator, I hear a couple of them say to their dad, Dad, who's that loser sleeping on the couch over there? All right? That's what, that, so that, that's what you're talking about with the McCoy septuplets insulting me like I was some kind of homeless vagabond with nowhere else to go. Yeah. I just went and looked at their picture, like a, what they look like now. They're 21 years old now. Good grief. That is crazy. So, yeah, that was, that was, I mean, more than any other show and segment we did, people have talked to me or, or yep. you know, reminisced about that particular one. But if you want to know, and there was also only one instance that I can recall, you and I actually getting legitimately angry at one another. And it was like day two or day three of Miller and Dace in the morning. And it, it was right at the end of the segment before we were going to commercial break. You, you big timed me and you basically said something along the lines of, Hey, I don't know how you've been doing things, but this is how we do things uh, in the show. 
Um, and we went to break and I said to you, I said, do not ever do that again to me on the air. I don't care if you, if you don't like, if you don't like what I say, you know, let's have a debate, but don't do that to me. And you said, okay. And that was it. That was it. We, we've, I mean, there's probably been times where we've been irritated with one another. Mm-hmm. And, but we, it just, just doesn't fester. We, we either, we talk about it or we just recognize this is just sports or this is just something that's not worth it. Uh, at least from my standpoint, I, I don't remember really ever being mad at you other than that little 10 minutes stretch. And we got past it. And that's like, it's almost 20 years. I know. It's almost 20 years. That's a pretty good run. And um, you were in the right. You were in the right because your point was, Hey, you come in a half hour earlier and plan the show then. And then, you know, uh, otherwise, if you want to come in here five minutes before the show starts, <laughs> don't bitch about what we end up talking about. You weren't here to plan it and you're right. Well, yeah. And that just more like, just don't, don't depend me if we're going to, because yeah. one of the, one of the things that I think, not that I write a book on this stuff, but to good broadcasting chemistry and we have it. And I, and I think that is what I'm going to miss the most is just what happens when we get together, because we barely plan any of this. You, you give me a topic and then we talk, we don't know what's going to happen. Like that CIFL, that was like, mm-hmm. that totally happened nebulously and spontaneously on a discussion about the Washington Redskins and the political, political incorrectness of that name. And we right. just on a freaking roll came up with the CIFL, which was maybe one of our best bits we ever did. But you know, we, the, the, to have the chemistry, you have to have trust you have mm-hmm. to absolutely have trust that you know the other person. They can, they, hey, if we're going to debate and you open your mouth, you're going to risk sounding stupid, but the other person can't depance you. You need to let yourself sound stupid, and the other person can beat you in a debate, but they can't spike the football. Yeah. And that's what we, for 20 years, that's only happened one time. And uh, to anybody else out there listening, if you ever like, you know, you guys have the good, that's it. Just trust. Once you trust somebody that you know that they have your best interests at heart as well as theirs, you got a shot. Um, But I would say the most terrifying, freakiest, scariest moment in Miller and Dace history. It happened at the Iowa State Fair many, many years ago. Oh, no. Oh, no. I know where this is going. Dace invited me on to his WHO radio show to come on and talk a, a little Hawks segment because Steve was, let's just say, not a huge fan of the time that he was forced to spend in the Crystal Studios out at the State Fair each and every year. And I went in, I helped him. That's, a, that's an understatement. Exactly. Yes. Uh, I went in and I helped him kill a few segments. And during one of these segments, I was hanging around. I don't know what we were doing afterwards. Maybe we're just going to walk to our cars together. Or maybe I actually wanted to see how the other half lived, the, uh, the uh, bourgeoisie lived to ride in that golf cart escort out to my car that you got every day out there. But I just sort of, you know, brown bagged it and walked in. I was sitting there and I look up. And the Crystal Studios are surrounded by glass. So Dace is in there broadcasting and every side is glass. So you're almost like you're in one of those cages at PetSmart. Yep. I'm on display. Yeah, you're on display. You're a little hamster and people are walking up, they're tapping the glass. This all happens. Like they're knocking at you like you're just a, a, a primate inside of a cage. I mean, just give your audience an example. One day I'm sitting there and anybody who used to listen to my WHO show, I used to call former Senate Majority Leader Mike Gronstall, Governor Gronstall, as a begrudging compliment for my political opponents because he kept outwitting us and he kept beating us every which way we turned. He was basically running the state. So I was mad. All right. Well, one day I'm doing the show from in there and there's this loud tape pounding on the wall on the, on these, on the windows. Now this used to happen all the time. So I would often over the years, just ignore it and just keep doing my show. If I turned around and acknowledged every time somebody pounded on the glass, the crystal studios, I'd never get my show done. No, but this, this particular group of people was per- very persistent. And they keep pounding the window. And finally, I look over in the middle of my show, and there's a tall, blonde-haired guy who's, like, taller than you. And next to him is somebody who looks very familiar to me. And suddenly, and then, then he finally, when he gets my attention, he points to the guy next to him, this tall guy does, and he mouths these words to me. It's Governor Gronstall. 
And that was Mike Gronstall standing right there uh, at the Crystal Studios. Okay, so you never knew who would come by there. Presidential candidates would come by there. Drunks would come by there. Yes. It, you, were, you were constantly, and, and this was one of the only air-conditioned buildings other than the main pavilion right. on the campus. And so the flood of people in and out of that place and around that place was constant, particularly at my time, because that's when a lot of people were just getting off work and coming down to the fair there in the early evenings. Yeah, because we all know the freaks come out at night, and this particular night, they did. And I look over, and there are these two dudes that are standing right up against the glass, just happy to be there, probably really nice guys, <laughs> smiling from ear to ear. And I look down at the T-shirts that they're wearing, <laughs> and they have – 36, 36 inch tall by 24 inch wide pictures of Steve Dace on their t-shirts. Do you remember, do you all remember, those of you my age, do you remember the Guinness Book of World Records books you could check out out of the library as a kid? Yes, you do, because you did. And one of the things that fascinated me that was always in the early pages was the world's fattest set of twins that were riding mopeds. I just thought that that was amazing. And I put these two guys in that same category, not saying that they're fat, but just for the oddity of it, two guys smiling from ear to ear, happy as lambs to be there, pressed up against the glass of the Steve Dace show, wearing Steve Dace shirts while Steve Dace is doing the Steve Dace show. And I was with my it's my face airbrushed on their shirts as well. With your face airbrushed and I and I really thought we needed to get security to get out of there. I was a little freaked out by that. I was I, I was very much freaked out by it, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Well, you could say that now, but through the years, earlier when I would bring this up, you were much more kind. My guess is is because you maybe feel a little higher degree of comfort now with so much passage of time. Yes, and I get more and more used to this kind of right. behavior with what I do for a living. You know what I mean? I, I, had, I had a guy come up to me at the Charlotte airport once a few years ago, and he had a, he had a color-coded rapture chart. Oh, boy. Color-coded end times rapture chart. And he was convinced that Tony Blair was the, false, the former British prime minister. Was the was the was the Leon Fortunato? If you've read your Left Behind books, sure. was the false prophet? Yeah, you know. And I I have just had um, I've had people follow me to my church. Um, I, I you know um, to my car a lot over the years. I've had what your car? Um, what's that? What'd you say to your car? I've had people follow me to my car oh. and oh, all wow. kinds of stuff a lot over the years. Yeah, I wouldn't be down with okay. that. So there's a reason why I have my CCL. If anybody's listening and thinking about trying some, anything along those lines, but um, that's kind of, that, <laughs> I had my to house work that acronym out in my head for a second, and I just yeah. got it. And my house is protected by Simply Safe with a video camera because I I also I also had somebody like destroy Christmas ornaments in my house a few years ago. Uh-huh. So this just kind of goes with the territory, you know, of what I do for a living. You run into people that. I've often said either want to kill you or kill for you, you know, yes. and neither one of those is particularly a healthy reaction. Yeah. So um, that um, was kind of funny and benign to me 10 years ago when I was just kind of starting out down this road. But now that yeah. I've gone a lot further down it and I, I can see where some of that stuff kind of leads to, you know, that, um, you know, the, the company that I work for on a daily basis you know, everybody else other than me lives in Dallas or, or, or DC. Mm -hmm. And it's very, and I'm probably one of the few people on a platform of this size that doesn't have, you know, I don't travel and do a lot of those. I'm not on the talking, the speaking circuit that much anymore, but you know, I'm one of the few people that is probably at the level I've been blessed to, you know, attain. Like I don't have a security detail or people that come with me when I fall travel and, stuff like that, because, you know, more and more was in, in social media and everything else, you know? And so I look at that, I look at this, it's still very funny to look out there and see your face airbrushed on people's faces. And I was only a couple of years into this, you know, it wasn't like 
our show was really established or anything yet. But um, as the years have gone on and I've seen what else people can kind of go too far with at times, you know, like I've had a guy who's a fellow Michigan fan who is so incensed that I, I, I will not, that I, about, that I'm just not as naively optimistic as he remains. Last week he sent me an email cussing me out and telling me I needed to, I needed to go jump in front of a train. Today he sent me an email telling me I needed to get run over by, with, with not nearly as many four letter words, but in this time he preferred that I get run over by a semi, you know? So um, this kind of stuff in my line of work, not to have this take a very dark turn, but um, it, Too it's, <laughs> it's, uh, you, I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't, I mean, I was aware of this stuff in 2008 and 2009, whenever this happened, but I wasn't self-aware as much of it as I am kind of nowadays. That yeah. Was. Yeah. So that was, you know, for Occam's razor, they were probably just dudes trying to get your attention and be sure. Yeah. Um, but it would, that and it was, was probably Bud Knight, you know, East side Knight or something like that. It yeah. Was a practical joke. Yeah. I don't write. Yeah. Something like that. But uh, th- those are some things that jump out over the course of time. Um, and random spontaneity is going to be the thing, um, that I miss a lot because it's, it's just so much fun when you have the, the level of trust that we have established through the years, it allows you and affords you the opportunity to become spontaneous and get off the script and the mm-hmm. magic, the magic happens outside of the outline in my opinion. So, um, that was fun. So, I mean, if, if you have any thoughts, if not, then uh, those are all, those are all really good ones. Uh, one of my all time favorite moments. And because you know me well, you'll know why when I tell you what it is, but it was the morning that, and I don't know if you did it for fun or if you were just pissed at me, but you decided you were going to try to finally put me on the spot about my college football idiot savant status mm-hmm. and started quizzing me on North Carolina's starting defense. Do you remember this? Yes. I was just, ra- I was just throwing out random things. You just grabbed random teams. And it was like that scene in The Omen 2 where Damien goes up to his professor because he's, he's not paying attention in his, in his war history class. And his professor calls him to the front of the class and says, hey, smartass, if you know everything. And Damien, just because he's the Antichrist, just sits there and starts naming off. He knows all these dates of these famous battles. before. You don't see what I'm talking about in The Omen 2? Have you, you ever seen that movie? Dude, The Omen 1 scared me so badly. Yeah, shit, it's one of the greatest horror films of I, all time. I, I, yes. I don't think I've watched a horror film since and i that scene, never will you, you, you need to just go on youtube and just see that scene in the omen too it's one of the great scenes in all of horror film history not doing right? it, and Dude, it's, I, it's, it anybody that i've ever come across in life named damien I will not trust or do business with i wanted to name noah right? damien and amy amy wouldn't good heavens, I wanted to name dude. yeah i thought it was just a cool name because damien dace if your name's Damien Dace and they're taking role in class, you don't get looked at as the kid that everybody says we're kicking his ass after. No, they hold him down on the playground. They look on his scalp for the 666. <laughs> but it was the day that you decided you I did that randomly... to my brother, by the way, when he was Did you? <laughs> did you do <laughs> Yes. I, I, after I watched that movie, he was such a, a pain at that era. I had to search his Did you need an explanation? Yes, this had I to did. be it, right? Yes. 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 But when you just start randomly grabbing at teams and have and quizzing me on who, who their defense their starters were, yes, and I knew them all. That's one of my all time favorite moments. Yeah, and I was even yeah. fact checking you, and I was googling. I'm like, and that is the left guard's name. Yes. And yeah. ever since then, I don't, I really don't think I've fact checked you uh, at all. I mean, and you can get away with a lot, but I you know people would be fact checking you. So no, I I don't doubt it. There were, my gosh, man, I, I really wish I had where I don't want to hear any recordings of the John Miller show. That was a, a period of time where I was, <laughs> there should have been a, a, a longer season of obscurity in my life where I could have prepared an obscurity for that. But the Miller and day shows, I would, li- I would go back and listen to those because just, you know, when I randomly one day, you know, I was, I was talking with you about, some sci-fi and you were frustrated that I wasn't framing the question in a oh, way that would lead yeah. to a conversation. So I got pissed. I'm like, well, do you believe in alien life? Yes. Do you believe in aliens and you on a dime. And this is the thing about you that I just, that sets you apart from so many people is your ability to go from zero to brilliance in an instant. 
totally unprepared. You're like, yes, I believe that everyone in this country should be here legally and with a green card. <laughs> and it was just, it was just those moments <laughs> like that that were totally unscripted that that made it why whenever i finished it i knew it would be the best thing i ever did in entertainment and it was and that's no disrespect to anyone else that i've worked with whether in a written form or spoken form um this when you had friends that were able to also have a proficiency at a craft and do it together um this is what came of it so it was a good well it's one. been an incredible amount of fun and uh it's, um, um, I, I will miss it for sure. And, um, I know I've heard from tons of people that are going to miss it as well. And, uh, um, I'm, I'm happy for you. I know you've wrestled with making this move for the better part of about a year now. And, um, you're following what you really believe is God's will for your life. So I'm happy for you. I mean, in, in some respects, it's similar to why the Miller and Day show went away. Mm. And I don't know that we ever told anybody, everybody what happened. The reason it went away is because um, I was burning the candle at both ends and getting also, you know, when you host a show on WHO, man, it, you don't just get to be a radio host. There's just a lot more that goes into that. And there were a lot of demands away from the air for my time. And my family was suffering as a result. And my wife said, hey, I, I need you to be home more. I need something to go away. And the only thing I could really cut out of, cut out of my schedule was that show, as much as I loved doing it. And so that's, that's why that show went away. Um, so, you know. It was for and, about two years, at least two years, if not closer to three. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know how long this season will last. I just know that right now I feel that I'm supposed to put all that I have into getting my energy company. It's already off the ground and moving, but I need to put all that I have and all my focus into it until it gets to a certain point. And I don't know what that point is. That point could be one year, two years, five years, forever. I don't know. Um, if I did ever return to the spoken word and that's what I would come back to, um, you will know that it either failed gloriously or it's to that point where I feel like uh, I can have a hobby again. And also, you know, starting next September, I'm only going to have one kid at home. Um, the oldest is moving on, moving out. She's going to, um, you know, go out to YWAM out in Colorado Springs and, and serve about six months there and preparing for mission work and going on a mission somewhere in the world. We don't know where. Uh, and then, you know, she thinks she wants to go to college out there. And I told her, well, we're really going to need to have this energy company going well. <laughs> but at any rate, so, you know, if it happens, it'll happen. And it'll happen for either, um, you know, a hobby reason or a uh, need the money reasons. But either way, we'll see what happens. But yeah, it, it's been, it's been a ton of fun. It's been a ton of fun. And um, it's good that we'll miss it because it, it, it means that it was good. And the, I've been stunned by the number, and I know you've been a part of it too with a number of people. I've been stunned at some of the stories that people have shared. I I recorded an episode by myself last week, Steve, what I called origin story. And I took it way back. I I started in 1984 with me telling my dad that when I grew up, I was gonna be the voice of the Hawkeyes one day and have my own national TV show. And the chips that I started stacking on my shoulder at a young age because dad and grandma didn't think I would make that because it was so you know, it was such a competitive field and they're right. It was. Mm -hmm. And then going into the mid nineties and me finding the big 10 fan forum message boards, and then me finding a, a, an, an email listserv called herky.org that was kind of a forerunner to the message boards and then the message boards and then scout. And I I went through how it all began with me and Kakert and just, just take and Josh Clark going way back. And it was so fun. It was cathartic. I'm glad I have it recorded so that I could remember it and the number of people that reached out from that that just the heartfelt things that people have sent to me it's really been touching to me one one woman out in the western time zone I don't want to say her name told me how she was dealing with a near fatal medical diagnosis sometime in recent years 
and again, I'm trying to be vague. I'm not, I remember it, but I'm just, um, and how it was our podcast that she listened to while she was in recovery and to take her mind away from the times where she couldn't be the type of mother to her, her newborn that she wanted to be because she was sick herself and how much of an escape it was. And it was the longest thing. And it really, really, really touched me. And you know what? I get it. I get that these types of communications that we've done with you, these long form talk communications, they get woven into your subconscious to where you almost feel like you know us, even though I've met very few of you and Steve would say the same, but it's that time that you spend with us in your cars, in your houses, when things happen in life that happen to happen coinciding with you listening to either Steve or I, some of these things happening around really awesome, fun, exciting football games for you or your fan base, those things etch out a memory in us, even if we're not cognizant of it. So I understand that there's a bit of separation here and I'm not trying to make us uh, any more important or less important than we are. We just happen to be here and you happen to invite us along for your rides. And I know Steve and I are both very, very appreciative of that. And whether or not this is the end of the line for me forever, I don't know, but uh, it's been a pleasure, my friend. As Q once said to Jean-Luc Picard, all good things must come to an end. And it has been uh, a pleasure. And um, um, I just want to thank everybody that has uh, put up with me as the, uh, as the carpet bagger and interloper here all these years. <laughs> and um, I want to thank you for the fun that we've had and for um, the lesson I learned doing this with you that it's better for me to let people have the freedom to challenge me um, and to trust them that I don't have to either feel defensive or which where I'm more inclined to do, which is um, crush dissent at first sight. Yes. Um, it has, uh, it, it, it has served me well in, in how I feed my family. Um, and I've, I've tried my best to actually emulate it. You know, what's funny is, you know, one day you and I were sitting around talking about the show that we, you know, what's the best setup we could possibly ask for. We could, didn't have to do this at like five in the morning. Yeah, the I, and we both, show. Well, yeah, we thought, man, it'd be great if, uh, you know, he comes in mid morning, works with his buddies. They set everything up, just use his connections. And then he kind of anchors the show. Well, the guy that helped create that show, his name is Chris Crane. And he created that show for direct TV. Chris Crane is who called me out of the blue one day and established the show that I'm doing right now. The exact same guy. He, cre he, he helped create CRTV and which then ended up molding in or, or uh, uh, partnering with and absorbing into Blaze TV. And what do I do? I go to work mid mornings, just like Dan Patrick. I go to work with a couple of friends of mine. It was Jen and Rebecca before and it's Todd and Aaron now. And it's, it's almost exactly what, you know, you and I were sitting around and commiserating about 10 years ago would be like the perfect setup is pretty much what I have right now. And with the person who even created that setup helped create mine. And the experience I had working with you, because, you know, Van and Joel were always adamant that I'd be better on my own. I should work more on my own. And um, um, the experience I had with you that it actually brings out the best in me to have um, someone there willing to say, Jane, you ignorant slut when the time calls for mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. but that, but that they have, um, we're competing with each other, but not for, we're, we're competing to win the argument, not so much to own the other person right. or, or, or be the superior over the other person. Um, and it can't be contrived. Like, you know, that's the number one, th th this genre that's soaring right now, like, first take. These are all contrived debates. And sooner or later, people, you know, Marty Terrell was successful with that for a while. But then after a while, when people recognize you don't really mean half the stuff you're just saying, uh, just saying it for effect, it flames out. 
I just learned so many valuable lessons, John, from our relationship and our time together that has served me well outside of just how the friendship in and of itself has been a huge blessing to me. And um, I just want to thank you for that and for all of these years and for every, all of you that put up with me all these years. Um, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. All, a lot of the people that are in this podcast audience, the truth of the matter is I would not be where I'm at right now career-wise if it weren't for those folks. They were, yeah. a lot of them were the initial audience either out of spite or, or enjoyment that um, I was blessed and fortunate to build. And um, I owe all of you a debt of gratitude as well. So it's been uh, a phenomenal ride. And as Courtney Cox once said at the end of the Masters of the Universe movie with Dolph Lundgren, don't say goodbye, say good journey. That works for me. For Steve, I'm John. We'll see you around.